Welcome to the Impact of Educational Leadership Podcast with ID3 for Isaiah Drone III. This show was designed to provide an exclusive forum on educational achievement gaps related to learner success while discovering relationships and family issues in a diverse setting. Welcome back for another night of the Impact of Educational Leadership. This is episode 53. I'm your host, ID3 for Isaiah Drone III. Tonight's panelists are Dr. Billy Snow, Dr. Kelly Price Noble, doctoral candidate Buddy Thornton, and Dr. Isaac Carrier. Ladies and gentlemen, please say hello to the people. Hello, Good evening, everybody. Good evening, everyone. Hello, everyone. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, tonight's topic is one of crucial importance. Tonight's topic is one that has been on our minds for quite some time. And that is, how is COVID-19 impacting American core values? At this unprecedented moment in time as a nation, we find ourselves in a worldwide pandemic that has resulted in sickness, death, joblessness, and lack of core values. Children's elementary, middle, and high schools were abruptly shut down and forced online. The uncertainty prevails as a result of this unforeseen turn of events, adolescents in particular will require assistance in discovering their purpose. The pandemic has negatively affected rural communities exponentially, and many adolescents have lost parents and loved ones to this pandemic. Adolescents located in both urban and rural communities alike will need guidance. Adolescents are being impacted the most with negative influences on their perception of adulthood locally, statewide, nationally, and even globally. We as a nation need to find new ways for connections, caring, confidence, character, and competence. These are the five C's of positive youth development to help our society become great again. Well, tonight we have some panelists that will give us some key insight and building blocks to help us toward that endeavor. My first panelist tonight is Dr. Billy Snow. Dr. Snow, please say hello to the people, sir. Uh, good evening, everybody. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, sir, absolutely. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Billy Snow. 
He is a recognized educational consultant, speaker, and leader, committed to becoming one of the premier thought partners and professional developers in the country, offering practical and unique experience, expertise, and a history of success to his partners. Dr. Snow most recently served as the superintendent of Cedar Hill ISD, a district of 8,000 students in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. During his term, the district has improved teacher retention and established the Longhorn Essentials, which have improved the climate and culture as well as discipline in the entire district. Additionally, innovative choices like the Monticello Academy and Early College Academy have been created under his leadership. Prior to his superintendency, he served as the Chief of Transformation and Innovation for Dallas ISD, leading the District School Choice Division and launching innovative school models as District Transformation and Innovation Officer for Caddo Parish Public Schools, I hope I pronounced that correctly, addressing racial equity was a priority for him and his staff. He led the Transformational Zone, a group of historically underperforming schools, transforming climate and culture, teaching effectiveness, interventions, and database collaborations as part of the Transformation Zone. In addition, the zone increased community and stakeholder investments and offered experiences like the amazing Shake, which put all 6,000 kids through multiple rounds of competition about social skills, positive youth development, and equity, and public speaking that ended them winning a competition that brought them to Washington, D.C. Dr. Snow's accomplishments also include winning numerous accolades such as Distinguished Title I performance and being recognized as one of two model schools for interventions by the University of Texas Center for Student Success. In 2015, he was selected as one of the 25 educational leaders across America. This put him at the top. Uh, he has worked tirelessly in the community. Um, he has focused um, a lot of his efforts in racial equity leadership. And he is also a husband, proud husband. Uh, and he is a proud father of three. And so, Dr. Billy Snow, my question for you tonight, sir, and I, I just want to appreciate all that you have done and all that you are doing. Uh, but my question for you, sir, because I know that you can answer this question, uh, but I want you to take your time in answering this question. And so, with that being said, my question for you is, please explain to the listening audience, please explain in your own words the significance of No Child Left Behind and the Every, Every Student Succeeds Act for economically disadvantaged communities. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, the nice introduction, and thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I'm really proud uh, to be a part of this um, esteemed uh, group, and I'm glad to be talking about this with my peers. Um, you know, I think that one of the things with that we have learned, especially since March of 2020, is that all of our efforts, like No Child Left Behind and the um, ESSA Act, are, are for naught, and that 
And I hate to be so upfront and direct um, immediately out of the gate, but I, you know, when you've got a few minutes to talk about a topic, I think there's no time to waste. Um, we said that we were going to leave chi no child behind. Um, we said that every child was going to succeed. And then COVID happened. And immediately, one of the things that I noticed was that uh, equity issues were brought to the forefront immediately. We have children in this country who um, don't have enough food to eat. Um, I think when you, when you look at it and you see what happened, you see that if you are white, middle class, and upper class in America, you didn't have to worry about being necessarily left behind. These, these acts like No Child Left Behind and ESSA were supposed to funnel money and resources and accountability to school districts to make things better for our most disadvantaged students. And it simply has not, it has not happened. Um, what has happened instead is a system that is based on test scores and based on standardized tests that do not necessarily represent what children actually know or what they need. And in March, March 13th, um, well actually March 6th for my family, we left for spring break. My daughter is the class of 2020 senior at the time. She left for spring break and never went back to school again. She missed all of her senior activities and, and prom and things like that. But she had parents who had an extra computer in the house. Um, she had parents who were able to make sure that she did what she needed to do and were, that she had that background to be able to do it, but we had to provide those resources for her because the school district did not. And I was left thinking about how we have had years and years and years to try to equalize the playing field for kids, and we have, we have not done it. Um, in Shreveport, Louisiana, my, the, the work that changed my life the most, I entered into a situation where there were 10 schools who had been failing for 4 to 12 years, F schools, 400 arrests a year at the two high schools, all of them having significant trouble academically. 50% 50 of my teachers were long-term subs and, or short-term subs. And every single one of my students was black and economically disadvantaged in inner city Shreveport within 10 schools in the inner city area. But you could go across the railroad track or across the river and you could have 100% certified teachers. And as a white man who grew up the son of a single mother um, who worked three jobs, Still, I still had to learn my privilege and my, my white privilege from being able to advocate for or having the position to advocate for black children and children of color and to have to be in that position and finally learn that I have never been afraid to be stopped by a police officer. I've never had to teach my kids that. I've never had to be stopped or afraid to be followed in the store. And I've never had to worry about myself or my kids, not my own children, not having certified teachers. It changed my life and it brought, it brought into focus that this country was not, was not set up for, in any way, people that look like you. It was set up for people who look like me. And I committed my life to be able to try to change that.
And so when I say to you that no child left behind, all it basically did was say all children will leave on grade, read on grade level by certain grade levels or do math on certain, on grade level by certain grade levels. And the criteria, the sole criteria was a state test that was constructed by a company with contracts with the government. And when ESSA provides a little bit more flexibility, but it's still focused on a state test and does not deal with issues like Wi-Fi and devices and certified teachers in every classroom and truly changing the dynamics that we have in our school system, I just, I say to you that there is no time more in history that we need to take responsibility for changing education and being innovative. I am thankful for this time that we got to slow down because we were all off work and saw George Floyd murdered. We had time to process it, and we had time to protest in the streets, and we had time to get, out, get up and be active and figure out what's going on in our country. But what we did not do even now is we have not changed education. We've tried. We've tried to get computers and we've tried to get Wi-Fi in the hands of people, but we still are coming back to the same issues that equity is not what our system is designed for and is not what America was designed for. The words are there. I believe in the words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, but in reality it was not set up to actually achieve the words in the documents. And so therefore, we have to make changes starting now to fight for the fact that black lives should matter and that our immigrants in cages at the border should matter and that this country will not succeed if it is only successful for people who look like me. And that is why ESSA and No Child Left Behind have not had the effect that it was intended because we have not truly challenged reforming our educational system with equity as the lens through which we see. I want to thank you for that response, sir. And yes, Black Lives Matter, Hispanic Lives Matter, and all lives matter. You are, you are a connector. I want to thank you for your heart, okay, because your heart lets you connect to everyone, locally, statewide, nationally, globally. It, it is your heart that, that oozes the passion and the compassion, not only for your family, but for the community. And sir, you are going places. I really want to thank you for that response. What I heard from it most, that most rung the bell, besides connections, was change. Change is what rung the bell for me tonight as you were speaking. And with that being said, I want to thank you again. And I, I'm so eager here to hear our next panelist. Thank you. Um, no, thank you, sir. Uh, our next panelist is her class is listening in uh, real time as we are <laughs> doing this podcast. I'm very excited about them listening in. Uh, but uh, Dr. Kelly Price Noble, how are we doing? 
out there on the West Coast today? Blessed with lots of activity. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Let me tell you a little about Dr. Kelly Price Noble. She is a principal of KAPN Consulting, Innovative Solutions, LLC, connecting people to people. Prior to that, she was the clinical researcher at the Veterans Affairs San Diego Healthcare System assigned to the Spinal Cord Injury Center, the executive director of Cal Diego Paralyzed Veterans Association and the president of the Paralyzed Veterans of America's Association of Chapter Executive Directors. Dr. Price Noble is chair for the College of Health Professionals at University of Phoenix, supervising faculty and students online and on local campuses for 29 states. She is the education chair for the California Diversity Council and Diversity and Inclusion Chair at the California Institute for Human Sciences. She also is responsible and oversees for RoughWorks. And Dr. Dr. Kelly Price Noble, she's graduated from Mount Holyoke College with a BA in English, French, and Third World Relations. She earned a certificate from San Diego State University College of Extended Studies in Community Economic Development and a master's from the University of Phoenix in Organizational Management and a doctorate in Health Administration from University of Phoenix. You know, your, <laughs> your, your bio is so extensive we don't even have enough time to go through it tonight. So, but she is married. She's married and with two adult children. And so, my question for you, Dr. Kelly Price, because I I, I like the way you 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 walk in confidence. I, I like your confidence. Ever since we met, that was the first thing that came uh, came about uh, that emerged from our our conversations was the confidence that. Um, you walk in and you walk with. And so with that being said, you know, how has American self-government, liberty, and equality for every American been affected by COVID-19? That's my question for you. Where do I begin? Um, th this year has really been a pivotal year for not only the United States, but global issues. We've got um, a pandemic, we've got elections coming up, we've got uh, race riots, which is something that we didn't see, we haven't seen really since Martin Luther King in 1964, um, severely, but this has really become quite a time and let me just say one of the reasons why I invited my class this evening is because we are talking about the fundamentals of, of human resource management and how to deal and work with people, not only at the education level, but how to work with people in businesses. So one of the things that I, I think is very, very important, and we talk about the coronavirus and how um, that has affected us, and, it's, and it really has affected us significantly in um, higher education, in the higher education community, um, because now we are a uh, digital community. We are teaching our, our students online, even my local students are, are online, and so we really have to begin um, how we as uh, hi higher education providers 
um, coming from diverse backgrounds, we've got to be socially responsible um, and academically responsible um, with social isolation strategies, um, working on um, away from our campuses. We have to start thinking rapidly about how to improve our curriculum and how to provide systematic development, if you will, for our students. And so I, I think that um, with your question um, and, and the one that was posed, Amer you know, self-government, liberty, um, you know, every, you know, people in the United States are, quote unquote, free. Um, we have the right within so many realms to do what we want to do, but many of us forget that we need to be mindful of the person who's next to us. And, um, you know, is it wearing a mask? Is it not wearing a mask? Is it, is it smoking or is it not smoking? You know, all of this, the, um, things that can affect us can be secondhand. So um, I, I dare say to think about um, equality. And part of what I like to do is I like to teach um, my students law. And I like to teach them and remind them that um, we, there are conditions out there with regard to health care. There are social determinants um, that, uh, in which we are born, we grow, we live, and we work, which, which shape how we manage um, our, daily, um, our daily lives. And we've got, uh, we really have to think about equality for every person in these United States. And um, I, I have to say that I, I put together a calendar um, every year for my family, and this year is going to be a little bit different because we've got face masks. We have, um, you know, Zoom family reunions. We have Black Lives Matter um, protests and riots. But um, I'll never forget there was a little girl who um, had a, somebody took a picture of her and it said, you know, not all black people are bad, not all white people are prejudiced, not all cops are, are, are bad. And I think that we really need to remember these things. And we need to make sure that we are not only responsible for ourselves, but we need to be responsible for other people. And you need to remember that. Um, some of the social determinants that do affect our liberties um, are social determinants of health, which include factors like social economic status, education, the neighborhoods in which we live, um, physical environments, employment, and our social networks. And um, as a free people, we have a choice um, to really work to bring ourselves together to improve um, our health and, and reduce long-standing disparities in health and health care and in our liberties. Um, when I talk about, or when you ask uh, about self-government or equality, we really need to start looking in the eyes of our neighbors. There's a book from Sesame Street that is called, We Are Different, We Are the Same, We Are Wonderful. And I, I think that many of us forget the things that we were trained and, and taught when we were younger, and we need to really respect and exercise um, how we treat one another and how, and how we 
manage to work together with one another. Um, I, I, I will bring this up um, only because it's out in the news right now that we are talking about plasma and how plasma affects um, or may affect um, COVID survivors. And um, this hit my family very straight on. Um, my grandfather discovered the way to preserve blood plasma in the, in the 1940s. And um, he was not given the equity that uh, many physicians have today. And it's, it's striking that when he died in 1950, that we're still fighting for, for equity in 2020. And I would say as educators and as um, my peers, we need to really begin to start working with one another and show people um, that we are, you know, maybe different on the outside, but the only thing that makes us different really um, are our blood types. And, our, you know, we've got four different blood types, A, B, A, B, and O. And I think that as an educator, it's my job to make sure that my students understand and have confidence in themselves and that I teach them and that I give them the things that they need to become great and, and teach other people uh, what they need um, to, to move on. Thank you for that response. You know, Dr. Kelly Price, you are what I like to call a relationship builder. Not only do you have confidence, but you, you know how to build relationships. Listen, I'm telling you, that's, this is what I see. Also, I, I noticed um, with your, your response is that you have political dexterity, right? And, and these are some of the traits that we, we, we're going to need, we're going to have to have for our young people, all of our young people. Right. Because the culture in the culture in the American culture, which, you know, I really don't like calling it American culture because <laughs> America is a nation of immigrants. And so there's so many cultures. You can't call it an American culture. I think you should call it a melting pot because there's so many cultures mixed in this blend. Right. And so but like Dr. Billy Snow said, we need this change. Right. We need this change. And. You know, change is going to happen whether you're in an effective setting or, or you're, you're doing effective practices. Change is going to happen, okay? The only problem, the only challenge is, I don't want to say problem, but the only thing is with change, it's either going to be one or two ways, okay? It's either going to be negative or it's going to be positive, right? And so we need people like Dr. Billy Snow. We need people like Dr. Kelly Price Noble. Right? We need people that are confident in who they are and that have good moral uh, core values teaching our, our children, which are our future. And this is why we have next on the panel, Buddy Thornton, GCU doctoral candidate. Buddy, please say hello to the people, sir. Yeah, good evening. Uh, I am so absolutely honored to be with this esteemed panel tonight so glad to have you here as well uh let me tell you a little bit about buddy the positive social change agent pro uh 
he is with uh, a, a world-class parenting um, company, and they focus in uh, parenting dynamics. They do seminars. They do public and private parenting coaching. Uh, his specialties are in organizational culture development and conflict management, uh, training for life and organizational skills uh, development. Uh, simply put, he will assist you in creating optimal cultural environments in all domains, home or office. He has a Bachelor's of Science in Allied Health Sciences, University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, a Master's in Human Services Counseling and Executive Leadership at Liberty University, Doctoral, doctoral Learner, completing his dissertation at Grand Canyon University, branding as the Positive Social Change Agent Pro through effective and coaching and mentoring focused on education and family dynamics. He's also a proud board member or the proud board member of the Parent File and board member of the Brokenness to Healing Foundation. Buddy, my, my question for you, because you are the, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro, and so this is your specialty. And so this is why we got you here tonight on the panel. That being said, my question for you, sir, is what is it going to take for families, schools, religious institutions, neighborhoods, and government for American core values to exist? That's my question, sir. Isaiah, when you sent me this question, um, I, the first, my first blush was, well, you know, uh, you know, I'm a cross-cultural expert. That's that's my cup of tea. I, I've always worked in diverse settings. I specialize in diverse settings, and there could be so many ways to throw this question out there and get so many answers. But after listening to Dr. Snow and uh, Dr. Kelly Noble, uh, and I'm, I'm really excited to, and waiting to hear Dr. Isaac uh, Carrier and what he has to say, but I, I just felt honored that you even in, invited me to be on this panel because there are times when uh, what I need to project becomes a, a voice lost in the wilderness. Uh, everyone knows what core values are, but core values in words do not reflect the reality of the real world that we live in today. The core values uh, that we honor and that we expect to honor uh, life, liberty, equality, uh, being able to stand shoulder to shoulder with our brothers regardless of what their demographic and their circumstance is, that doesn't exist in today's American society and it certainly doesn't exist in the global society if it doesn't exist in the American society. And one of the reasons it doesn't is because we've lost focus on the ability to approach just being a civilized society from the core tenet of what makes us a civilized society. And that would be the pursuit of dyadic relationships. We can't hope to create change in one day, one month, one year. We may not even be able to get change to happen in this society in a decade. But when you look back over history, change does not happen in a dynamic situation. Change happens when one voice 
speaks to another voice, one-on-one, and you can reach into someone's heart, and you can get them to move their heart. What's the difference between me, an an older, middle-class, white guy, from a 90-year-old black great-grandfather sitting on his rural porch in Alabama? I'll tell you the difference. Absolutely nothing. He's an American. He's an honored American. He's an elderly, should be dignified and treated with dignity type of American that most people in my demographic don't even give a second thought to. And so there's a, there's a failure. There's a disconnect. There's a chasm that we have to jump over before we can ever hope to build a situation where we're going to be able to guarantee core values fit for every human being in our country. You know, I look at it this way. I want change to happen, but change has to happen one-on-one. We have to be willing to look at someone, and not someone who looks like us. If we're looking at somebody and we see the mirror, we're wasting our time. What we need to do is we need to have one-on-one dyadic conversations that will drive change with people who do not look like us. We need to value people who do not look like us. We need to get right in the mud with other people and say, okay, we may not look the same, we may not speak the same, we may not have the same backgrounds. Let's find our commonality and then let's join hands and let's move forward. You know, I look at it this way. You can't be a leader in this, especially in this divisive situation unless you're willing to look for a way to take the disjointed voices that we all hear, which is exactly what Dr. Snow and Dr. Noble said, if if all we hear are disjointed voices, how do we get them to harmonize? How do we get a beautiful oral experience that just flows into our mind and just reaches down and grabs us in the heart? Well, you know what? We have to be able to find leaders who are willing to actually take that step. They need to be able to push for the harmonization of America. They need to push for a way to collaborative put interests, peace, life, liberty, equality, justice. All these things need to be put in as an interest-based society instead of what we have right now, which is a whole bunch of disjointed voices pursuing rights. Yes, we're Americans. The Constitution guarantees us rights. You know what? Those rights have not improved our society in my lifetime. But pursuing interests, common interests, will turn the tide. It will make a huge difference. Um, I I wrote a couple of things. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to put them uh, in your podcast. But, you know, when crisis surrounds us, we've got to stand united. uh, Bronfenbrenner's social ecology uh, theory says that the entire world centers on the individual. There's different layers. You've got families, you've got close institutions, you've got cultural values, and then you, you spread out and spread out until you get out to the entire broad universe. But what his theory actually does is it reflects on itself. If you want to build a positive society, you need to start with the individual, and the only way you can do that is to start with an individual talking to another individual and coming to consensus, coming into harmony, building something. And before long, change becomes endemic. It becomes something that can never be stopped. You've got to be willing to put your voice together with another voice because together we can create a forest of humans. We cannot survive as a single tree. We have got to make it 
a group effort, but we need to start on the ground. We need to start one-on-one, the same way you and I talk when we're in an individual conversation, but we need to expand that throughout all of society. You know, Dr. Buddy Thornton, I don't even have to tell you how beautiful that sounds. It sounds like a score of music. But with that being said, uncertainty is still prevailing. And so, yes, it needs to be harmonious. But the only way we're going to be able to make that happen is if we're willing to improv, right? Because we know, like you said, different layers of environments, right? They must cohabitate. They must be harmonious, right? For this, this unsung life to exist in peace. And so are we going to ever get peace? Probably not. But if we press toward that mark, we're going to get that much better. You know, I can't really, I don't have enough time to unpack all the wonderful answers tonight. They're just brilliant. This, this panel tonight is, is brilliant. And I mean, it's not to say that the other panelists are not, but this, this mix tonight, I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful, and and we could just end it right here, right? But when I eat cake, okay, I usually eat cake with icing, and so that's why um, <laughs> we have four panelists here tonight because I believe that Dr. Carrier is going to put icing on this cake on this discussion, okay? And so, with that being said, Dr. Isaac Carrier. How are we doing this evening, sir? I, I'm doing great. Uh, uh, you, you really know how to put pressure on a brother, though. <laughs> I, I hope the cake thing didn't offend you, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> no, the, the cake thing didn't offend me, but I'm following people like Dr. Snow and Dr. Bryce Noble and Mr. Thornton. Like, you, you really raised the bar for me this evening, my brother. Well, you can handle it. You can handle it. Listen, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Isaac C. Carrier. He's a career educator with over 25 years of experience as a teacher, high school assistant principal, middle school principal, central office administrator, educational consultant, and college professor. While serving as principal in Adeline ISD, Isaac or Dr. Carrier led his school to earn numerous awards and the state's highest accountability ratings. In his role as executive director in Dallas ISD, Isaac was responsible for schools that received national awards and supervised four schools that ranked in the top 100 schools in the nation. Dr. Carrier has devoted his career to ensuring that every child is provided equitable learning opportunities and access to high quality education that provides them options for post-secondary pathways to a productive life. Dr. Carrier recently co-authored, and I want you guys to go out and get this book, uh, uh, get this uh, essay, uh, The Disestablishment of African-American Male Compliant Ambiguity, a Prison Pipeline Essay. Dr. Carrier earned his bachelor's degree in agriculture, his master's degree in educational leadership from Stephen F. Austin State University, and 
2017, he graduated from Texas A&M University at College Station with a PhD in curriculum and instruction with an emphasis on urban schools. In addition to his consulting work, Dr. Carrier is an assistant professor in College of Education at the University of Louisiana at Monroe and also serves as the principal of G.W. Carver Middle School of the Waco ISD and Transformation Waco Charter Zone. Dr. Carrier and his wife, Robin, are the proud parents of two daughters, Sydney, 18, and Peyton, 13. Did I get that right? You got it all correct, sir. All correct. <laughs> I appreciate you. Listen, my question for you, sir, and I want you to, I want to hear your heart. We want to hear your heart, okay? And with that being said, how will America reverse the negative treatment of its citizens <laughs> so that we can finally heal as a nation? That's my question for you, sir. First of all, let me say thank you for including me on this panel and in the presence of esteemed company uh, that has already spoken on this on this uh, on this podcast and. Um, I just feel very honored to, to have this opportunity to, to share my thoughts. You know, when I first looked at this question, um, and I got excited, right? Because I, I love this question because it's a simple question on the surface. But the response to this question couldn't be more complex. It's a very complex question. I'll start with a, a focus on one word, um, and that's reverse. Um, I don't know that Reverse is, should be our starting point, right? Because at no point in time has it ever been just. At no point in time has it ever been right. Uh, we talk about most, all, most common and most often about the civil rights movement under Dr. King in the 1960s. But, you know, this goes back as early as 1866. Um, and there have been many and multiple civil rights movements. Um, and it's all, you know, yields, yielded, each has yielded some progress. And so it's about progress moving forward. Um, but we've got a long way to go. And, and uh, I'm, rem I'm reminded of a, of a story that re just happened to me recently. A friend of mine, someone that I hold in high, high regard, um, actually referred to him as a mentor. He posted a question on one of the social media accounts, and I usually don't get involved in that back and forth stuff. Um, but the question was, you know, you, you're invited to a coffee shop for free coffee, and, um, but a, along with that, you get a, a legislative or a, uh, a lecture. Um, and it was really kind of pointed towards where we are with, uh, with the Black, Li Black Lives Movement and, the, uh, the surfacing of racial injustices everywhere, things that have existed for, for many, many, many years, but are, are coming to light in this new era uh, in a different way, uh, in some cases, and in, in, in other cases, reminiscent of, of past experiences. And each person that responded to that question, it was, and, it was, and it, it led to, you know, this, the, the reestablishment of, of sports, right? And we all, I'm, I'm a huge sports person, um, love football, 
live for college football. But their responses were, I'd like to just watch the game. Like, I don't need the, I don't, I don't need the lecture. And so I, I tried to provide him a, a different perspective. See, it's an inconvenience and annoyance for you to maybe see the messages from sports uh, or athletes or celebrities that uh, you would say that you support them having a platform, but uh, not when it inconveniences you. Um, but my reality is this has been my entire life. I don't get to cut it off. We don't get to cut it off. Um, we teach our kids to get a receipt when they purchase something uh, at any store so that uh, they don't or cannot be accused of stealing before they walk out of the store or, or, or through somewhere in the parking lot. Others teach their children to get receipts so that they can return whatever it is they may have purchased. And so it puts a different light on the fact that when we talk, start talking about reversing things, and, and, and I think I want to talk about three points. The first is legislative change. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of the words of my dear fraternity brother and world leader, Dr. Martin Luther King, when he said, we need leaders not in love with money, but in love with justice. Not in love with publicity, but in love with humanity. Our leaders, and, and, and Dr. Price Noble mentioned um, the significance of, of every, you know, uh, election year, I guess, and, and every, um, you know, legislative type action. And it's really important that we move from we must vote um, to understanding who we're voting for and why we're voting for them, and then hold those individuals accountable. We've talked about that for years, but I think the, the major focus has been just get everybody to vote. Well, if you don't know who you're voting for and why you're voting for them, um, and that could be just as dangerous as not voting at all. Um, the next thing is um, or so, uh, societal change. Um, Mr. Thornton talked about commonalities. Um, COVID forced us into a common conundrum. Catastrophic, uh, catastrophic, uh, catastrophic events force us into common conundrums. I'm from Houston. We, we, we have uh, regular <laughs> weather events that, you know, hurricanes and things like that, that that causes us to have to come together and support each other. So it's in, and in those moments in time, we find ourselves acting in unison, in support of one another. And unfortunately, when a sense of normalcy returns, we go back to our respective corners. See, in those moments, we understand each other because we have, under, we, we, we have common challenges. We have to understand as a people that we're expecting or asking people to understand something in which they can never understand. Dr. Snow uh, talked about it from his experiences as an educational leader, just as a person, and he's a good friend of mine, so we've engaged in this conversation on, on multiple occasions. But the reality is he, he, he is able to understand it is just because of his skin color. Despite what his circumstances have been, he does have privilege. We don't all have privilege, regardless of what our status is, no matter what we accomplish, we're asking people to understand something that they 
cannot understand. So the word really needs to be empathized. We need them to empathize with the fact that there is difference and there have been major differences in how uh, we've been treated or black people have been treated as in relation to our white counterparts. Um, and that leads to the final uh, element, which is individual change. The individual cannot change until their heart changes. And when they can't empathize, uh, there is the possibility of real and sustainable change that leads to different actions and, 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 a, and a effort towards understanding to the extent that is possible um, what the plight of, of our society really is. Um, as, a, as an educator, you know, and currently in my role as a principal, you know, my, my charge is to, you know, educate kids, and it's not about test scores, and I'll talk about that. I, I'd love to talk about it on a different, different night. But it really is to instill in my students the confidence and understanding that they, not only can they achieve and accomplish and acquire their dreams, but it's so important that we also teach them how to navigate this world. Because this generation, my generation, will pass on, and if we do not leave a, a legacy of learning and understanding where we are in time, um, then we actually end up taking backward steps. And so it's very, very important that not only that we, that we kind of help our kids um, understand what is actually happening. Like we see these things in the news and we hear these horrible things such as George Floyd, which has been going on for years and years. It's, it's now coming to light and it's being called out for what it is. But for us to, to actually um, come to a, a state of healing, it's going, and you said it yourself, um, it, it is more than a notion and it may be unrealistic to believe that there would be a holistic healing. But we certainly have many, many, many opportunities to move towards that. Um, and it's going to take people like you that are leading discussions like this. And, this. and these type of things are happening all over the place. And it's, it's uncomfortable. And we've got to engage in these uncomfortable situations. And we have to be okay with being uncomfortable. But some people um, are reluctant to do so. But we've got to continue that on. Uh, because now is not the time to stand down. Now is the time for all of us to stand up. Wow, wow. And listen, parents, I want you to be prepared because I want you to give me a, a story, a personal story about you rising from above the odds. But keep it to like one to two minutes, all right? Let me, let me, let me, I have to talk about what just happened. This was a phenomenon that just happened tonight. I am a grown man. I've served in the military for 14 years, and it's hard for me to cry, but certain topics like this one, you know, evoke a type of emotion from me um, that, that causes me to get emotional. You are absolutely correct. You are, the panelists are the GPS for the future. How, how, how can we have mentorship without a GPS system? How can we have positive youth development without a GPS? The GPS is the navigator. It shows you how to get to a location 
right? And so if, if you see life as, as a positive experience, then that means your influence is going to be positive. And so the people that you impact is going to leave a positive influence on their perception. Every, every, every panelist tonight gave us the best practices to use. They did that, Dr. Noble. <laughs> they did that. You, you, you panelists gave us the right practices to use. Dr. Billy Snow, he charges with change. And then Dr. Kelly Price Noble, you, you took that change and you, you turned the change toward culture, right? And then, uh, buddy, you took, you took the culture and you, all right, now we need to be aware of behavior, right? And then, and then you took the behavior, Dr. Carrier, and you said, look, this is how we reverse it, even though even though it may not happen in my lifetime, but I'm willing to get into the trenches and get my hands dirty because it's gonna be hard work. I, I went jogging today. And Dr. Snow, get ready to, to give us your story. I went jogging today and I, was, and I came to a hill, okay? And for those of you that go jogging, you know what I'm talking about. I had already ran a couple miles. And when I came to this hill, I don't know if I hit in the wrong direction, but I, when I hit that hill, I felt like passing out. But I kept going. I, I was almost walking, but I kept going. And when I got to the top of the hill, I was very, very, very tired. <laughs> but I kept going, I kept going, and I didn't stop till I got back home. But when I got back home, I could feel, I felt victorious because I completed a mission. I completed an assignment. Did it almost kill me? Yes, absolutely. But it made me that much better. With that being said, we're out of time. Dr. Snow, please give us a story about how you rise above the odds. Well, you know, I'm, I'm the son of a single mother who became my hero when she escaped an abusive marriage. I'm the only one to graduate from college in my whole family, or even go to college. And I always knew I was supposed to be a teacher, and I think that was placed upon my heart and on my path. But as that path unfolded, I think it was important to be open to servanthood and being uh, fulfilling your true mission. So quickly, we'll mention the name Markavion. Markavion is a student in Shreveport, Louisiana, who I met when he was in seventh grade. He had 16 office referrals the year before and multiple office referrals every year in his education. He had no certified math or science teacher as most of our kids did after elementary school. Um, and because of what we changed with our schools, that number of 400 arrests a year at the high schools went down to 11 in one year. The number of top game schools in Louisiana Five out of ten became Louisiana top game schools. Nine out of ten became uh, schools are out of failing status, and graduation rates went up 30 percent. But Markavion became a part of our family. Markavion became one of the one of the three boys I mentored. Went to church with us. Went skiing with us. Um, his mom calls me his mentor, and Markavion texts me 
on Christmas or Father's Day and tells me Happy Father's Day and my response to him is always Happy Future Father's Day. What are you gonna be to what are you gonna do to be a good father? And he is the class of two thousand twenty graduate. He is now at Grambling State University and is in college when he never thought that that was something that he would have been able to do and never was back in the office again after that seventh grade or after that sixth grade year. So I think it's about turning your own personal story or your own personal um, overcoming of obstacles into actually helping other people. When you overcome obstacles, you have the um, responsibility to reach back your hand and to help others. And it's not about a test score, it's about a relationship. And I know that there are many kids like Mark Avion that are better because of the relationships we forge. So be somebody who does that level of service and cherish every moment of it. Absolutely. Who's next? Oh, well, Isaiah, you know my story. Uh, but I want to divert it away from me and I want to divert it to hope. Uh, you know how hot it is in Phoenix and that's where I live and it's really, really hot here. And I was distracted and I was on a call and I ran out of gas and I needed to get my car to a gas station and I couldn't get anyone to stop and help me. And a car pulled up behind me and it was two young black men and a Hispanic. They were late teens they jumped out no concern for themselves told me to get back in my car wouldn't let me push it they pushed me into the gas station got me up to a pump made sure i was okay that's the hope of our future they could have ignored me i'm not like them they chose not to ignore me they chose to care about me that's why i care about them Thank you for that response. Who's, who's next? Tell you what, I'll go. Um, and, I, and I like the diversion uh, from me, if you will. Um, I've got enough stories um, with my family. Um, but I'll, I'll say this. I was raised in a medical community. Both grandfathers are physicians. My dad's a physician. Um, my, my mom went to med school but decided um, to get out of med school her junior year because my father was feeding my sister McDonald's meals so um, that didn't go over very well um, but um, I want to say that when I worked at the, um, at the VA San Diego Healthcare System in the Spinal Cord Injury Center I had the privilege of testifying in front of the Joint Hearing Committee for about mm, six years, six, maybe seven years. And my job was to help uh, paralyzed veterans um, fight for their benefits. And, you know, traveling with them, um, I was the minority. I'm, I'm a, um, a black female, but um, color at this juncture did not matter. And it was, um, I was the able body, but they were the disabled, abled individuals. They um, were um, paralyzed, they were quadriplegics. I helped them get dressed. I helped them clean up after themselves. 
um, literally when um, accidents happened um, to buttoning up their top button because their fingers were so um, cramped or they had no um, they had no ability to move. Um, I was truly honored in helping people who were seemingly disabled. They were not disabled in the way that you and I might think so. Um, and I learned an awful lot from them. They taught me um, a, a great deal of grace and dignity. And, um, and it's hard, I think, for um, many um, individuals with disabilities to trust people who have the quote-unquote abilities. When I worked at Gallaudet, that was the same thing. I had to learn American Sign Language. I was the minority on that campus. So um, I say to, to people, you know, think about those individuals who are different than you. Put yourselves, if you can, into their, into their shoes or ask them a little bit so that you can learn more from them. Let them educate you. You need to eat a little bit of humble pie. Empathy was mentioned earlier. Um, one of the books that we teach at the university is uh, The Spirit Catches You When You Fall Down. It's about a Hmong family who moved to Merced, California. And the daughter of this family, um, she would rise in, in pain or in spirituality and the family thought that that was great. And, but Western medicine said that's not good. Um, she's got epilepsy. And so we really need to be more empathetic with people with whom we are working so that we can better understand um, and, and how we treat them. Um, this child ended up in foster care. Uh, parents were um, cited and it was all because of a misunderstanding because we didn't speak the same language. So I say, learn to speak somebody's language. If you can't speak it, do your best to understand it and don't become judgmental. We really need to start um, a healing process. It may not happen today, but we absolutely need to start a collective process and engage in the healing. Thank you for that response. Who's next? Okay, uh, that leaves me, and you know, I, I want to take the same route as uh, the two previous speakers that, and I really don't want this, I mean, to be about me overcoming, um, although I've overcome a lot in my life, I, my, my, my story as a youngster, as a little kid growing up, very similar to Dr. Snow's, in that I was raised by a single parent mother in less than the, the very best conditions, although we didn't know any different, you know, because there was a lot of love in our house. Um, and so I'll be honest, we didn't know that we were, I guess, essentially by today's definition and standards disadvantaged. We thought that was everybody's situation. Um, I've got so many stories of others and, and men playing a part in their overcoming, however, like no one outshines another. So I'll, I'll just give a general, right? Because as an educator, um, you know, the goal is to get the graduation, right? The goal is to get them into a productive life. Um, and every year, you know, standing on the end of the stage 
and shaking the hands of graduates that come across the stage knowing that their knowing what their circumstances were, what they had to endure just to go to school. To see them not only graduate but go on to productive lives. When the trajectory of their life, um, when I was introduced to those individuals, uh, was very bleak. And the fight that it took from all of us um, to ensure that they had the opportunity to transcend their, their circumstances, um, I think is probably and continues to be um, the greatest result of the work that we do, the work that I do, what, it, what I'm committed to. Um, this work isn't what I do, actually, it's who I am. It, it's in my blood. I'll, I'll probably be one of those that they'll have to uh, take the, the chair out of my office and bury me in that one as well, because I just don't see an end to this. Um, I, uh, I, I, um, my wife spoke with me, and she's an educator as well, uh, some 25 years, and this is, this is a, a pretty touching story, actually actually made me cry. Um, the other night, she got a message from one of her former students from when she first started teaching many, many years ago. Um, and I don't know the full details of this particular, this specific young man, but I do know that it was less than ideal. And he reached out to my wife the other day and he uh, sent her a message and, and, and they ended up talking. And uh, what he said was, was that he was about, he and his wife were about to have um, their second child. And he wanted her to know that regardless if it was a boy or a girl, because she has a unisex name, that they were naming their child after her. Because of all that she meant in helping him to the life that he now experiences and lives. I don't know that, that any action could be more humbling and more rewarding for one of your students to think so much of you for what you did for them that they would name a child in your honor. Tonight was simply beautiful. It was a beautiful night of compassion. This was a magical, a magical night. Those that are listening in, this is another night, impactful night of the impact of educational leadership. This is episode 53. I'm your host, ID3 for Isaiah Drone III. Tonight's panelists. <laughs> were Dr. Billy Snow, Dr. Kelly Price Noble, Buddy Thornton, and Dr. Isaac Carrier. Good night. Welcome to 
The Impact of Educational Leadership Podcast with ID3 for Isaiah Drone III. This show was designed to provide an exclusive forum on educational achievement gaps related to learner success while discovering relationships and family issues in a diverse setting.